0: The issues that we've had with Connor, he's an incredible player, but probably the way
1: Munster are playing makes him look bad. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Nev Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now.
2: The News Round on Off the Ball with Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This
0: is news all
3: Alright, you're welcome along. It is Thursday's Off the Ball. Nathan with you until 10 o'clock. We've got a cracking show lined up this evening. We'll be keeping a close eye on a North London derby for the ages. Champions League football on offer between Spurs and Arsenal. We'll be across to our man at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in just a couple of minutes' time. At 2010, the last time Dublin were beaten in the Leinster Senior Football Championship. Their only defeat since all the way back in 2004. Anthony Moyles and Nigel Crawford were part of the Mead side to put five goals past Dublin on that day we're going to talk about that 2010 season and also what they expect this coming Sunday in the Leinster semi-final At Leeds United fans I know you're a little bit worried you're a little bit down it could be a tough 10 days ahead but we're going to cheer you right up on the football show tonight John Giles coming away a little bit later and he's going to be joined by his great friend Eddie Gray because it is 50 years ago this week since Leeds United won their one and only FA Cup final Against Arsenal at Wembley So John and Eddie are going to talk to us about that season And after 8 o'clock we're going to talk about Greg Norman Greg, Greg, Greg Who is single-handedly trying to take down golf, Well, with the backing of Saudi Arabian money as well And he's had a lot to say over the last 24 hours And it has upset an awful lot of people And we're going to discuss that after 8 o'clock as well 53106, the text number Add off the ball on Twitter Richie McCormick, good evening to you even Nathan, how are you? I tell you what, isn't this a treat? This should have had top billing this evening. Joe Malloy, get out of town. Adrian Barry, welcome to Thursday Nights.
0: Just uh, delighted to be here. Um, I mean, it's very rare that I get that call up to be in your kind of rarefied company, Nathan, so, I'm uh, Richie, of course. Delighted to be here.
3: The dubs, losing in Leinstershire as a Westmead man, you know all about this.
0: As I've often said, Nathan, as you're well aware, we've ourselves in Dublin have had the uh, Leinster Championship wrapped up in the same way that Mayo and Dublin had the All-Ireland Championship Oof. wrapped up there for about
3: was 10 un- or 15 absolutely, years absolutely absolutely uncalled for uh, this is Pretty obviously welcome. a huge weekend for Adrian Barry his two loves together Saturday and Sunday so Saturday we're going to have live coverage here and off the ball of Leinster against Toulouse in the Champions Cup semi-final and then Sunday to Crow Park Westmeath against Kildare Whew.
0: I'm cheese wait. and
3: wine. Cheese and wine out.
0: Cheese and wine. <laughs> no, I won't be doing. I would be. No, I won't be doing. I won't be doing cheese and wine this week. Nathan, no, no, it's off the cards. I have a um, confirmation barbecue on the Saturday, so I'll be doing. Oof. Damn well to even see the game. It's tricky. If anybody has any advice about how to, you know, I appreciate that we're now on national radio having this conversation. And um, there's not a huge chance my sister is listening in, but I might get back to her. Um, any advice hey, about how them? to navigate around that?
3: Probably um, too late
0: at I mean, this stage. No, I'm, I'm going to be there. I want to be there. There's no doubt about that, obviously, but I'd like to go and see the game. Uh, and I've just got my tickets today, Nathan, for Croker on Sunday. Cannot wait.
3: Feeling confident? No. Nope, everyone's typically there, like Kildare are going to push Dublin all the way in the final, aren't they? Well
0: for West Mead. Sorry, they're all done to beat Westmeath. Sorry, they're odds done to beat Westmeath. And it would be nothing short of a monster upset if uh, Westmeath were to, to somehow and you know get through it. They won't. Yeah, Kildare will be going through uh, I would expect that to be the case, but uh, having made my way down to the Cusie Park in Mullingar a couple of weeks ago, I can't very well when it's so on my doorstep now, not head along. And also, uh, as you're in a similar boat yourself, I've th- I live with three dubs here now in the house who are keen to uh, keen to go and see Dublin. So um, so we'll be taking in both games, I hope, if we can. With, uh, I'll be bringing the three and a five-year-old with me, so uh, you know, their attention span of a gnat, obviously, whether they can sit through two matches. I suppose enough chips and chocolate would probably do the job.
3: Well, I'm facing a similar test, bringing the three-year-old to Tala for the first time tomorrow night. I'm on babysitting duty. It's either stay at home, watch the match on TV, or just chance it. So I'm going to chance it and see how long yeah. she survives.
0: Yeah, but you can leave the approach that I took going out to, uh, to Mullingar was if we have to leave after 50 minutes, so be it.
3: Give us some tips listeners It's like an episode of Dadcast 53106 (laughs) A three year old The eight year old The ten year old They'll be just fine They'll be full of Fanta They'll be full of all that stuff You can keep them going with And they'll actually enjoy the match The three year old I really don't want to just give her the the phone I want to find some way That she might actually sit for a little while Or is that just Just give her the phone And enjoy the game so, 53106, uh, do let us know. Richie, yeah, uh, Ashley O'Reilly was on uh, OTBM this mm-hmm. morning. She had a nice little package of, you know, all those people who say they're from Mead but have a very strong Dublin <laughs> accent, including Ashley herself, I would say. Uh, you're yeah, the opposite. Yeah, yeah. You're basically, you, you like to say you're a Mead man living in Dublin. Yeah, pretty
1: much. I was raised... and It's 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 a full-time affliction, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I was I was one of those people, um, much like, I guess, Mick outside, who was uh, very much uh, a clear man with a dub accent. I was raised a Mead supporter by my dad, uh, t- taken to Umpteen Mead games. I was at the first two of the Dublin series in 91. I was at the semi-final against Roscommon in 91. Several Sundays spent in Navin as well. And... Uh, just that you mentioned it earlier on and just that it ended up being a piece on the show, uh, that 2010 game against Dublin, um, I was there as well and uh, I was trying to think if that was the last game I was actually out with my dad as well. Uh, it turned out to be. So yeah, cheers for reminding me of that. Uh, but Jesus, I don't think anybody was expecting the, that on the day and it turned out to be quite the surprise and quite the pleasant surprise for those of us of a green and gold persuasion. Um, but the manner of it, it was, because it was, like, Dublin weren't Dublin, uh, then, not not just yet, but they oh. were getting there. Certainly, we certainly were getting there.
3: Nigel um, Crawford so me, made it clear that Dublin were not Dublin and almost no. went into naming names as to which of the players <laughs> that were dropped between <laughs> 2010 and 2011 yeah, were, I bet he did. Yeah, were reliable for that. So, yeah, uh, it's well uh, worth listening. That's coming up after uh, eight o'clock as well. Do you give them any chance, Richie? Nope.
1: No, no, <laughs> pray not. Uh, like, I, I probably wouldn't on the best of days anyway. Uh, I'd, I'd edge towards Dublin being favourites, but just the form that Mead has shown, particularly in the league this year, um, I just wouldn't have any confidence going into this game whatsoever. I don't think it'll be, be—I it'll be a weird dynamic because it won't be those games that we've seen from Dublin, I don't think anyway, in the last couple of years whereby the game's won by half time and they kind of take the foot off the pedal. And Maybe you think that Mead might work their way back into it. Um, but I just I just don't see it I don't see it happening even with a diminished Dublin as they have been over the past 12 months um, Yeah, which is sad for Leinster really um, that you're looking for competition from the other side of the draw and even Adrian saying that that's a, a foregone conclusion as well much as he might hope to see Westmead prevail
3: Alright well we'll have lots more on that across the weekend but right now well some of us I, I've had an enjoyable day I'm going to be talking to John Giles and Eddie Gray in a while we had Anthony Moyles and Nigel Crawford but none of us however good our day is, gone got to spend it with Ainsley Harriot unlike our man in North London Owen Sheehan are you there Owen
2: yeah I, I just this is just sort of pinch yourself off and of business today that you actually get to speak to Ainsley harriet and meet Ainsley harriet shake his hand have
3: a chat with him it really is the best day of my career we can't hear you uh, Owen is at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium I don't know if he's turned his microphone on <laughs> these things I thought were idiot proof but uh, he, he shocks us all the time uh, Owen has been over in North London all day he's reporting on the North London derby uh, Tottenham against Arsenal which is getting on the way uh, is it 7.45 Richie or 8 o'clock
1: 7.45 Nathan yeah
3: yeah. so as always with Owen you know when you send Owen somewhere you're going to get the goods uh, he went looking for celebrity supporters and he found himself in the company of Ainsley Har- did, did Ainsley Harry cook for you
2: he didn't cook for me, but I went through a whole host of great football meals that have gone viral on the internet over the last little while. We will be bringing that to you, of course, next little while. We just spoke about Arsenal. He's like a massive Arsenal fan. This huge fixture, obviously, coming up tonight, his love of Arsenal goes all the way back to the 1970s. So it was great to just chat to a genuine Arsenal fan about how much he loves football and how much he loves a club that is up against it by the look of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium tonight and by the looks of the... Arsenal fans who have had to essentially run away from Tottenham fans outside, such as the borderline hostile atmosphere we have here tonight in North London.
3: Were you one of the Arsenal fans running away from the Tottenham fans? I was not but
2: as people know our branding is very much red and white so I was questioned multiple times about the mic flag that I'm currently speaking into and one Tottenham Hotspur removed the mic flag it was kind of jokey for a while and I was like hmm I'm not actually sure if these guys are joking anymore let's just do the rest of this without any sort of a sign of red and white because you just uh, you just don't know but uh, you yeah, know I've been keeping my allegiances very very close to my chest and uh, shall not be revealed.
3: Your impressions of the stadium because uh, I think certainly from a uh, commentator's point of view. It's, uh, without question, the most impressive in the Premier League. Has it blown you away?
2: It is absolutely amazing, to be fair. Like, I think people have mentioned this multiple times before anybody who's been here, but it is that south stand, isn't it? The 17,500 seater stand, which is obviously uh, based on the cop or based on what they have in the yellow wall in Dorton. It is empty at the moment the concourses are full the price of a pint in the stadium is cheaper than it is outside so all the concourses are full but people have yet to come out to their seats but yeah it's that one stand that is absolutely astonishing i can't wait to see it full and it's also the proximity of the stands to the ground that looks like maybe like a, a meter or two from the back of the net to the start of those front rows in the, the south and north stands like i'm sure you've done games here before nathan but really this is my first time here and it does blow you away when you step foot inside. and
3: the thing that stood out and not for me but my co-commentator that first time Adrian at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium I was with Brian Kerr. Uh, we were watching whatever the early game was he had to run into the toilet came out with a very big smile on his face they have a TV over every urinal and in every toilet so you don't have to miss a thing
0: yeah um, not quite uh, my experience obviously through the weekend in Molingar, but uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> well you'll have the phone uh, with you <laughs> uh, the phone yeah, yeah pretty off hiding actually.
0: Um, Yeah, look, it's no better man to be, uh, I mean, I'm talking about yourself here, to be sampling the the great, the uh, delights of the great grounds of Europe, Nathan.
3: Thanks, Adrian. Uh, Confidence levels, Uh, Yeah, Tottenham are a better team than Arsenal in pretty much every area of the pitch. You'd expect them to win this game?
2: On paper, you'd have to say that, uh, but that hasn't proven itself in terms of the results this season. And Arsenal are playing above some the of their parts. Obviously, Christian Romero's absence tonight is a big piece of news and could be a significant piece of news. That central defensive uh, area for uh, Tottenham looks substantially weaker without him in the team. Uh, I think Arsenal will be so, so happy if they're coming away from this results. This uh, game tonight with a nil all, a one all results, I think a draw your plan, obviously, for Arsenal is an excellent result. It'll be very interesting to see what Tottenham do and how they. They handle the expectation that they have to be on the front foot tonight so yeah. I would I would say that this one is actually going to be a draw and that Arsenal will be very much the driving nice. season for Champions League football after tonight
3: uh, the sound isn't great unfortunately on another stadium where they love the old Tannoy uh, so we'll leave it at that for now uh, but we'll have more on that game obviously throughout the evening keeping a very close eye on it Richie uh, I don't know if you have team news there but I see Christian yeah. Romero is out for Tottenham which is a massive blow he's been outstanding this season
1: he has been yeah he took a knock they say in that Liverpool game uh, so he misses out this evening so just to bring you through the teams for Spurs Hugo Lloris starts in goal a back three of Davinson Sanchez Eric Dyer and Ben Davies then across the middle Emerson Royale Rodrigo Bentancur Pierre-Emil Hoiberg and Ryan Sessegnon Dejan Kulusevski and Min Sun are in service to Harry Kane up top for Arsenal Aaron Ramsdale starts in goal it's a back four then of Takahiro Tomiyasu Rob Holding Gabriel and Cedric Swarsh in midfield it's Granit Xhaka and Mohamed Alneny, Bukayo Saka, Martin Odegaard and Gabriel Martinelli are in behind Eddie Nketiah and kickoff is at 7.45.
3: Four points is the difference so even if Arsenal were to lose tonight Adrian, uh, they will still have the advantage going into the final two games of the season but as I said, I think when you look at that Tottenham side, maybe Ramsdale has done enough this season that you'd have them ahead of Lloris but every other line on the pitch, Tottenham are far ahead of Arsenal and tonight's a real opportunity that if they were to go and win this you know Arsenal could very easily Arsenal the final couple of games of the season and drop points
0: yeah totally and uh, yeah look at there and I think that like is that a, is your point about the quality and the you know player position by position um, rankings almost like Arsenal obviously have some some talent probably under like the likes of Ketty and, and We'll see in 12 months' time exactly um, signings are outgoings, notwithstanding where, where that's at. But, like, people certainly, I'm watching Ainsley earlier on, he's not uh, unique in this. People certainly saying that the pressure is off Arsenal a bit tonight because of that, uh, you know, um, four point advantage they have over Tottenham. But, uh, and, and they've been given so much praise up to now, like, brightly so for the season that they've had. And, you know, you would have to say that given the type of things that people were saying about Arsenal, um, I was going to say sort of 12 months ago, but I mean, probably for the last 10 years. Um, they they've put themselves in a brilliant position, position, but there'd be nothing more Arsenal than it falling apart now. Mm. And so I think for that reason, I think there's huge pressure on them tonight. A draw would should be enough to see them over the line, you expect at the end of the season, but uh, the fact that it's a derby makes it a different prospect. But I do think that um, there is the makings of a team. I was t- saying it about United uh, a few weeks ago, the making of a team... In United's case, not fighting very hard, but uh, uh, a makings of a team nonetheless. But, yeah, if they fall asunder now, suddenly everything that's, you know, the praise has been heaped upon them over the last few months just disappears.
3: A big weekend for his two loves. Is there big news in the world of Chianti and Brie? If so, why didn't I hear about this?
0: Um, Yeah. No, no, no. It'll uh, It'll be a weekend of a few... Nice beers at the barbecue, Nathan. Everything in moderation, as you know yourself. Good man, good man.
3: Game. And listen, uh, the kids are going on Sunday, and as I mentioned, myself, and Adrian might have some testing time, so nobody will want to sit near us at either match. Uh, you have the slight advantage, Adrian, because your game is during the day, whereas my match doesn't kick off until 7.45. Uh, some actual proper advice. Bring in a three-year-old to the game. Snacks are key, but also bring a piece of paper, stickers, and markers to make a poster during the game to cheer your side on make and do really and football together that's really good really advice yeah. isn't it? Like, that's,
0: that's really, really, really that's good that's, that's top snacks, class the I listener. found I found a Mollingar the other week snacks absolutely key absolutely key just like throw any sort of thing about not giving them stuff um, normally out the window stack them up with as much chocolate and whatever else you need to get, get you
3: through Stephen McClune who's running the show out there says it's not babysitting it's your own effing child Nathan <laughs> fair shout, Stephen. Yeah, it's fair enough. It's fair enough. Uh, the news round brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Uh, now, Richie, it was this day last week we were talking about Talca Park. And I think then I was making the point that while it seemed on paper to be very good news, it's only good news if all three stadium redevelopments go ahead. Now, there seems Mm. to be contrasting reports today as to what's going to happen with Dalyman Park now that that ground share between bowls and shells isn't going to happen. So what is the latest?
1: Yeah, Dublin City Council today shooting down certain newspaper claims that the full-scale redevelopment of Dalyman will be scrapped. They say the planned 6,000-seater stadium with ancillary community facilities Remains their preferred option. It had been claimed that the Daily Mount proposal will be scaled back to financially accommodate similar ventures at Talca Park and Richmond Park. DCC says only inflationary pressures could influence the Daily Mount works, which they say are already underway.
3: Uh, inflationary pressures right now is quite the get out.
1: Uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. But it, uh, I think the where the newspaper claim fell down was that. Uh, the plans would have to be altered simply because the Talcott Park plans now exist and obviously Richmond Park is going to enter into that as well it would seem um, which it just isn't true um, it will be just plainly inflationary and the it didn't make any mention of the ancillary features as well which has always been a key part of what's been planned and what is planned for daily Mount? So uh, I think DCC and Bose putting their heads together and said that there's a kernel of truth in what was put out today, but there was a whole mountain of uh, SH1T put on top of it. Uh,
3: there's plenty of boxing news today, very mixed news.
1: Yeah, Enesgeri's Casey Rock is going to be one of the final boxers between the ropes on day four of the Women's World Championships in Ring B. She's in the final fight uh, they're just entering into the penultimate one at the moment. She faces Lithuania's Austetia Asukate in the welterweight first round, the Lithuanian formerly based out of Donegal. Rock will look to match the achievements of the other two Irish boxers who were in action earlier. Dublin bantamweight Fei beat Modestine Mungazalia of the Democratic Republic of Congo to advance to the last 16, while Belfast's Caitlin Friars progressed to the lightweight last like flyweight last 16, pardon me, with a unanimous decision win of her own over South Africa's Tandal Wetsu Boxing status, though, as an Olympic sport once again hangs by a thread. Dutch Boxing Federation President Boris van der Voorst has been ruled ineligible to stand for election against incumbent International Boxing Association President Umar Kremlev of Russia. The IOC have been insistent on a change of leadership at the IBA if boxing is to regain its Olympic status. It's currently suspended. Four others were denied the opportunity to stand for place on the board of directors, van der Borst has questioned the legality of those decisions and the IOC say they're monitoring the situation closely.
3: Uh, We're going to be talking about Greg Norman after 8 o'clock, Adrian. I don't know if you've been following this and one one of the reasons we wanted to talk about it is that it sort of dominated Golf Weekly for the past six months uh, as to what's going on with Live Golf, which is this Saudi-backed golf tour that's been put up as a rival to the European Tour and the PGA Tour, and it's happening. It's happening next month. The first tournament is going to take place in London. It's going to be the biggest ever prize fund for a professional golf tournament. Somebody is going to walk away with $4 million for winning that tournament. And... A few months ago, it looked as though it was dead in the water because Rory McIlroy, the leading golfer, said, we're not going to be a part of this, particularly after Phil Mickelson's comments that were well publicised. Everyone sort of distanced themselves. But what they've done, and I think quite smartly done, is said, we're going to go ahead with the tournament anyways. They don't have any TV coverage. They don't have any sponsors. But they have the money from Saudi to be able to give the biggest prize fund. So somebody could well be an amateur golfer just turning pro could be the world number 125 could be Ian Poulter or Sergio Garcia is going to w- walk away with that money and this is the first of eight tournaments that just build in prize money as you go on in the hope that the other players look at this and go I, I just I just need to be a part of it uh, but Greg Norman is the front man he is the front man of this and he's every time he talks uh it just brings more and more criticism for what he says. Uh, yesterday, he had a press conference and he described the murder of Jamal Khashoggi as a mistake. We've all made mistakes, but you just want to learn from those mistakes and you can correct them going forward. Uh, he was also asked about the attitude in Saudi Arabia uh, towards the LGBTQ community uh, where he said, well, I have no friends who are gay, so... Don't know what you want me to say about that. It's uh, remarkable how tone-deaf Greg Norman is.
0: Uh, It felt like, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but that felt like one of the first times that we've heard from him in a while. Like in terms of that, um, has he spoken much up to he this? He
3: has spoken, but a lot of it has um, been a... Press releases. Press releases, but also Neither interviews either. where it's just been golf chat, uh, remarkably, uh, yeah. considering the background to this and how involved the Saudi state is and their investment funds are in this. But mostly it's been about going to war with the PGA Tour and trying to get the players involved and less about actually having to answer these type of questions.
0: And, and, like, both tours have obviously come out really strongly um, against it. And I think they've taken, like, probably what, what you would have to there, the right uh, stands on it. Um, and you look, obviously, Phil Mickelson comes up to that conversation that he had, uh, the piece that I saw, at least, on anyway, the broadcast side of things uh, yesterday. And he's basically out there, like, batting for Phil Mickelson, who, like, with every day that passes by, uh, you know, Greg was talking about his legacy and he's going to defend the PGA and his legacy is in, in place and with every word that falls out of his mouth about Phil Mickelson, his legacy is being chipped away at as if he hasn't done enough damage to that himself already. But the absolute utter lack of any awareness from Greg Norman um, over the last couple of days has been remarkable, really. And like when you're talking about, the, you know, some, maybe an average player goes up and picks up that payday and all the other players are thinking, this is something I need a piece of. Like, hopefully, the other players are looking at it going, the stink that's been caused around... Garcia and Westwood and Mickelson and the players that have been um, giving us their vote of confidence
3: That's the bit I wonder about because it's such an echo chamber that they're clearly living in Mm -hmm. these professional golfers that if you're the world number 40 in in a way it's more straightforward for McElroy because he can make tens of millions of dollars by keeping things exactly as they are and prize fund and the PGA Tour have gone through the roof because of this rival but if you're Keegan Bradley and you're 45th in the world and you're a major champion you're still at good prime level of your career and you see world number 150 win the 4 million you're looking at that thinking I can just rock up tournaments on in America next time around and I can win that 4 million and slowly you get this drip drip of better players that it becomes impossible for players not to get involved in some way
0: well the, the only slight counterpoint to that would be that they can absolutely establish some sort of a tour because ultimately, the wealth is disgusting and enormous. And so with, on the basis of that, they can do what they want. But you won't find any brands wanting to be associated with any of that. But
3: they don't None need, the they don't need, because the prize they money don't. will be so much. And Saudi Arabia is not a business. It's not competing. Uh, with, no, but, uh, but I, need I think... a TV deal.
0: Exactly. They need a TV deal and they need, like, the players themselves. Of course, the prize money will be big and they can re- create a position maybe where players don't need the endorsements or they don't need to wear a certain type of shoe or whatever. But I just don't know how sustainable all of that is. And I certainly don't think, you know, like, being it, it will, if, if that's the level, it's at, it will never compete with the PGA Tour, for example, because if you're good enough, you win, you're never going over there, really, you know, like those top players. It is all about legacy, and it's about all of that sort of stuff. So, like, they can maintain some level of a tour, but I mean, the whole thing is pretty grim.
3: Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, we're pretty much out of time, unfortunately, Richie. Uh, thanks as always. Nice and lads, uh, Adrian. Been a pleasure. Enjoy the weekend.
0: O' to be a m tomorrow night half seven stack
3: show. Here we go. Go on, Shane.
0: chain will be there in full set. So he'll give us all. He'll give us. He'll find his best stuff in the morning for a for a proper show. like go to be a m.
3: I believe you. All right. Half past seven tomorrow morning. Adrian Barry's back. He's going to have all the best guests, as always. They always do on a Friday morning. Uh, no crappy quiz, though. Uh, so no chance for myself and Mick to steal the show once again. Outrageous, Mick. I know. Adrian, thank you. Uh, we're going to be talking to Anthony Moyles and Nigel Crawford in just a moment.